Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me that I was bipolar. I was released with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for about a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using music for therapy and as a way to escape. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Living with bipolar, they often feel like a ping-pong ball, batting back and forth. Depression, mania, depression, mania. Those living with bipolar disorder have different cycles of depressed and manic moods. Some switch over months, weeks, even days. For me, every month I can count on being too high and too low. Regan Ashton also lives with bipolar disorder. He's the bass player of Problem Daughter, a Salt Lake City melodic punk band, and he also plays solo. Regan has become very aware of how to manage his bipolar symptoms, which is a huge step. He was also able to get clean after a heroin addiction in his early 20s. He's 31 now. And he stopped drinking as much. Being clean and sober is a huge step for bipolar folks. Still, there's that damn depression and mania, always ready to pounce. Maybe it's about learning to pounce on it. Punk rock has been a healthy outlet for Regan, and he's managed to not let bipolar disorder control his life. Music has been a constant, and leaning on his punk friends can mean the world. My name's Regan Allen Ashton. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I play in a band called Problem Daughter, and I also dabble in some solo shit. Mental health-wise, the biggest would probably be bipolar and also just addiction. Struggled with addiction my entire life. More recently, I've been able to kind of curb the drug side. The alcohol side is uh, was getting a little up there, so started going to AA meetings. Yeah, and so I've been kind of just dealing with, you know, the mental part of that and also, you know, just trying to try to stay as clean as possible, which has been rather difficult. I remember when things, you know, started manifesting. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, maybe some behavioral problems and stuff growing up, but uh, my girlfriend moved from New Jersey, Pasek, New Jersey, to here to live with me back in 2012. She's also bipolar. She's known about it years prior. But around 2012, I started having um, suicidal depression uh, after talking to her. Went to a psychologist once, and he referred me to a doctor. We went through some tests, and uh, yeah, he's just like, hey, uh, you got bipolar too, son. So that's how I found out, and it's something we'll struggle with the rest of our lives. I didn't know at the time until I went to see a doctor. I, I told my therapist, we have no people in my family that's ever had, but it, actually my grandmother had episodes of her life. I just never knew about it. So same with the addiction parts. I would tell, you know, I think I'm the only one. And it's like, no, your uncle Bruce has been addicted to everything under the sun. I'm just like, why don't you motherfuckers tell me? <laughs> like, It's never like a thing. And then once you start, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, we just don't talk about that. So with the bipolar, looking back on your life, even through your childhood, do you see those symptoms or tendencies Absolutely. So I, looking back again, it's like, you know, I thought maybe it was sometimes I'd get a little overwhelmed to the point where like my brain would kind of fry and, you know, I couldn't really handle my shit, my emotions or anything. 
and, and no, noticing those things is really what has gotten me to be where I am with it today. I used to take medication and things, but because my insurance is so bad, I've been unmedicated for the last, I would say, three years. So you kind of have to figure out different ways to deal with it. I've, I've definitely can go back and think of times or things that I've done or behaviors that I've exhibited in the past where it's just like, well, that makes a lot more sense in hindsight, you know? <laughs> yeah. What kind of behavior? Uh, running away from home, experimenting with drugs at an early age, uh, really just swinging from I feel great, I really positive to, you know, those crippling lows of you're a piece of shit and you'll, why even get out of bed? You pretty much glued to that bed for a couple of days. Drop it out of school, just fucking uh, on a whim doing things that looking back, I'm like, probably could have handled that a little better rig. So, <laughs> yeah, and I'm assuming that you found the punk scene fairly young and did that help you in any way or was it just kind of inflaming the uh, the bad behavior no i i think that that's what kept me from doing anything for so long actually punk rock i started playing in a band with my friends uh, my first band was when i was 12 and then we started playing shows in my second band when i was 15 and uh, shane augustus actually from problem daughter he was in my band we've been playing the music together since he was 13 and i was 15 that actually kept me out of a lot of trouble uh, my first run-in Besides, you know, toilet papering and egging and getting caught for it. I went to uh, junior high. My friend, um, we got drunk at junior high and getting expelled from there, which is funny because my mom used to always try to, like, ground me or anything. And nothing fucking worked. I didn't give a shit. I'll just play guitar in my room and who gives a fuck. This time, um, since we live in Utah, there's a thing called the Pioneer Trek. And it's where they make you pull hand carts five to ten miles a day or something in Wyoming. And she put me on that, and motherfucker, I, haven't, I didn't drink again for like two fucking years. So it's definitely uh, something that stuck. I, I definitely started thinking about it. And so for a long time, I, I didn't really do anything. Um, I've gotten a few underage drinking alcohol tickets that the only times I've ever been to jail are times that, you know, I just never paid for it. And when I'm 24, all of a sudden, I have to go to jail for a day or something. I can see now, looking back, when it kicks in, whether it's either crippling depression where it's like, why not, why not do this to my manic highs of being like, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do something. It fueled behaviors to the point where it's like, I was just on a whim one day, it was just like, I'm just not going to school anymore. I mean, I ended up getting my GED, hoping to go to school again. I was always like an excitable person. That's good that you can recognize that as it's happening. One of the things that I deal with looking back on bad behavior in the past is trying to figure out, well, how much of that was bipolar and how much was actually just me? Was I just a bad person or was it being driven by this this mental illness? Right. And that, that's another thing that I struggle with being bipolar is not able to trust your emotions when you get into an argument or something, um, you know, whether it be a bit of paranoia, betrayal, all these things. You can start talking to somebody and the hardest part is figuring out if you're being gaslit or if you're just fucking just out of your goddamn mind right now. <laughs> you know, So that, that's always something I also struggle with is I don't know when I am just at a heightened state or if I'm completely fucking right. Like I understand like it's like I'm in control. I'm not freaking out. But there's times where it's just like, fuck, um, am I making any sense? Am I just making this into a thing or, you know, I struggle with that a lot. Can you tell me about when you first got into the punk scene? Yeah, so um, I grew up in a small town most of my life from 10 to about 17 or 18 because we moved a bit in between then. But I grew up in a small town called Spanish Fork. That's uh, actually where 
Shane and I met, who would eventually become in Problem Daughter. My older sister, she's five or six years older than me, listened to Flag. She listened to tons of different punk bands. And I remember when I was in the, I would say, second grade uh, for Halloween, she dressed me up as a punk. So I was just like, ah, punks are cool from like a really young age. Uh, so by the time I hit around junior high, I was already playing guitar. I uh, would be that weird kid in a hick town that had the mohawk or something. Uh, but I wasn't going to shows yet. That probably happened around the eighth grade. But uh, I remember I would be, you know, stupid kid shit. Be like, I'm wearing a DK shirt or something. And I'd see this kid. And I'm not a bully. I'm not a, I'm not a violent person. But I was, a, you know, I was a stupid kid. So I saw this other kid, you know, would wear like Green Day Kiss Me on Punk shirt and stuff. And I'd kind of give him a hard time. And uh, one time this kid who was playing drums was like, we should start a band. I already have people who are playing in it. And uh, I got downstairs and next person to walk through that door was that kid I was hazing and turned out to be Shane, who I've been playing with music with for the last 15 years. So, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, we started a little band, started playing like, you know, shows, I would say probably, yeah, I was probably about 15. Broke into the punk scene, though, because uh, was when we started playing like in Salt Lake City and stuff like that. There's been a decent punk scene here for quite a while. How did being part of the punk scene or getting into punk, how did that change your, your mental health? Or did you even know? I don't think I knew it then. I can, I can definitely see it now. Even though I've gotten into some heavy things, I'm sure that living in that town, I mean, kids were doing meth in junior high and shit like that. I didn't even smoke weed until I was 18. Really just playing music, I think, helped me out of trouble. I was constantly doing something. Like I said, that anxiety felt like more like nervous energy because we were constantly doing stuff. I felt great about myself. I think it helped in a lot of ways, especially then. And still now, I think music has definitely been something that I can always hang on to, like some sort of like buoy. While you're drowning, at least you can play guitar sometimes or something, you know, or write a song about it or something. You mentioned not getting into drugs until you were in your teens, but I know that you got into some pretty heavy stuff later on, and you were able to come clean. Yeah, my band, Problem Daughter, gave me an ultimate. They, uh, for a long time, I mean, they were great friends. They are always concerned, but they were like, Regan's a big boy. He can do what he wants. Um, then it got started getting to a point where they had to intervene then and said, uh, we have to break up the bands. It's either bands or you can stop doing heroin. So I decided to, but my friend that I was doing it at the time, he has a really, really uh, supportive mother. My mom was completely in denial. My my brothers and sisters were like, he's doing this, he's doing this. And my mom's just like, I don't fucking want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. So I started living with him. His mom was really supportive. Doctor helped him get on Suboxone. He would split that with me. And we moved to his older sister's house near Salt Lake City. So we just got out of that little town, just splitting Suboxone every, every night, you know. So, uh, yeah, we just moved from that town. Eventually, um, he went back, and he struggled with it for quite some time. Now he's living in California, has a wife and kid, and uh, he's doing great. But uh, he struggled longer. I haven't done heroin since I was about 22. Now I'm 31. Yeah, so I took that, you know, putting your foot down and just cutting it off, you know, and dealing with it for a couple months, you know. How did getting clean affect your bipolar symptoms? Honestly, I that's when I started seeing it more. So I don't know if it was, you know, just either suppressed or I wasn't noticing because I was constantly out of my mind because my girlfriend who became my wife moved out here when I was 22. That's when, you know, I would 
have episodes or something and somebody was living with me to and who had bipolar as well been like you know i kind of see something and moving around too much or not moving at all you know or talking too fast or talking too slow or not at all or so it was actually her that was like i see some symptoms then that's when it kind of snowballed at the actual um diagnosis thinking back on my low point and i know a lot of folks with mental illness do have a low point it's very vivid for me to think back on when that was and to be having that mental breakdown and coming to a head. Do you have a memory like that? Yeah, I had two actually, um, and both were the same. Two times when I was around 22, 23, and then when my wife left, I remember having episodes where, I, again, I couldn't get out of bed and just and whispering audibly to myself, I'm not going to make it through this. I'm not going to fucking make it. There's no way you're going you're gonna to survive this. I remember that going on for days, thinking that I had such a severe mental break. There's no going back. Just really thinking, I've gone too far. I've I've gone like in in my brain. I'm I'm going to be broken for a minute, uh, forever maybe, and I'm not going to survive it. And eventually, you know, I I did. But uh, I remember having two times audibly just not being able to go to. I, I can't go to work. Audibly just whispering to myself that this is it. You can't think much more of this. That happened twice in my twenties. So. Playing music is very disassociating for a lot of folks, maybe in a good way. I know in a good way. When you're up there playing music, do you have any of those dissociative feelings? Um, I've had them a few times. A lot of the times it's like watching a movie and it's just happening. But uh, actually it happens pretty frequently when you're on stage. There'll be times I'll be having such a ton of fun and halfway through a song get kind of tingly like or it's like you're in a dream you know and you have to be like i'm really on stage right now and if i don't go back and sing after this solo this is such a bizarre experience like i'm i'm totally living this right now and that has happened on stage quite a few times but it's mostly like a fun like excited like holy shit this is really happening i also haven't played many pretty much all of problem daughter's career i have not played a show sober either so Maybe that's why you haven't had many times, but it's also probably why I can't remember a lot of them. So, When you had the moments of thinking to yourself, okay, this is it, this is it, was there a certain point where you decided that you would seek treatment? So the first time, yes, and that's when I started seeing a therapist, and that's eventually what got to my diagnosis. This last time, I've had such shitty insurance, completely unmedicated, completely didn't see a doctor, didn't see anybody having the band and touring helped eventually just kind of came out of that tunnel, I guess, because, uh, I, that's all I remember is just, just the whispering and, um, just crying, can't, can't move, don't want to eat, can't eat, terrified, so much anxiety. That's just, it was incredible how crazy I felt. So how did you get from that place of being, sounds like almost catatonic to getting into the therapy? Was there other people that were helping you? Were you able to pick yourself up? The first time therapy did help. The second time the band really helped around that same time. I remember us playing Fest 2018. My wife left. So I was at Fest when it happened and the friends that I had and everything really helped me through it. Talking to people about it really helped. I've never been quiet about my problems. So <laughs> should probably, you know, cool it a little bit, but put a few drinks in me and just like, you, oh, I'm going to tell you this one fucking time about this thing that I did and it's going to fucking freak you out, I'm sure, but who cares? You mentioned about how being in the band and playing and touring helps. How does it help? Much like, you know, like uh, I can abuse drugs and alcohol. It keeps me busy it keeps my mind occupied 
getting off heroin was just, you know, having to get away from it, stop thinking about it, stop, you know. So during those hard times, being able to focus on other things, because there's times I would just stay home and sit in it and it would get worse and worse. Then you go and, you know, you play some songs, you go on a tour, you play a show, which, of course, I was still doing drugs and alcohol. But at this point, you know, I still had like my friends and everybody was there. That's definitely the thing that I think that uh, was the difference is actually just keeping my mind occupied at all times. Because the minute that you would stop, memories creep back into your brain. You feel that like, you know, heart clench where it's just like, oh, everything's back and it just comes flooding back. But if you can kind of keep it away and the longer you keep it away, you know, once it does come back, it's it's not as painful as before. Time does help, I think. The management of your bipolar symptoms, you've got some experience behind you now. Are you able to look at that or can you, can you see them coming? Yeah, a lot of the times I can see them coming. I know my triggers too. Um, but of course, sometimes it's just that it just happens. It's You have an episode, it's bound to go away and it's bound to come back. But I can usually feel it coming. It's usually um, the lows I can feel coming better than the highs because I'm naturally just a, I'll just talk a lot, I'll talk a lot. I'm always up, you know, like, so when I'm up and I'm, you know, sometimes it, it goes and passes without anybody noticing. But uh, the lows for me, uh, like this last week, I've, it's been a struggle to, you know, be engaging try when there's times that I, I don't want to. It, it, I mean, I mean, I, I want to try because of, you know, other people and it's like, it's not just me here, but, uh, it just gets difficult to, even now I feel great today, but when we were talking, I'm like, man, you're just going to be a quiet motherfucker. No, you're not going to fucking answer. You're not going to fucking talk about anything. But today I feel pretty good. So when it comes to, you know, coping and, and, and mechanisms that I've come up with, because of the paranoia or, you know, the times where I feel like I'm right, but I might not be, I give myself about three hours to go do something else. Don't think about it and come back in three hours and it's still important. Then you can talk about it. But nine times out of 10, I'm just like, I am so fucking glad I did not make that a big fucking deal. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I have the same thing, wanting to say things and then just letting it cool and thinking to myself, okay, is this something that I would normally say or is this on the manic side? Right. And what kind of trouble is it going to get me into? <laughs> when you were diagnosed, what did you think? How did you feel about that? Honestly, um, I didn't think too much of it. As I get older, I know it's more of like a, it can be like a problem, but uh, when it came to bipolar, I thought I had like, you know, like, man, you're, you're going to go to the doctor. They're going to say you're fucking nuts, man. You're going to have, it's like the same thing of when I go, it's like, dude, you probably have like a bunch of cancer. You're probably going to fucking die. I'm such a hypochondriac too that I'm, I'm thinking clear up here. And when they go to the doctor, it's like, hey, you, you have uh, some show symptoms of bipolar two disorder. I'm just like, oh, thank God. It's not fucking, you know, like, but as I got older and having to deal with it, like I said, I, I always just, you know, and when I was younger, Regan's just going crazy a bit and uh, yelling in the backyard because, you know, he's drunk. You know, you get older and it goes away, started going away when you stop drinking so much or doing something. You realize it's like, no, it's a definitely a personality disorder. It's an emotional disorder that, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with at times. I have a problem with talking in circles when I get nervous. And that uh, has before made my partners angry of being like, and I can't get out of this, you know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, stop saying sorry, I'm sorry, I'm saying sorry, I'm fucking, oh my God, I can't fucking get out of this, you know. Uh, so uh, those happen a lot, that's something. But um, like I said before, I, I, I have my problems, but um, 
I know that people struggle with it a lot harder than I, I do. It's probably some sort of spectrum where bipolar two sits, you know, because my wife had much bigger, like, I, or it could just be different. I'm, I'm not really an expert of what people go through or anything, but uh, my problems are, are those. And usually instead of, you know, getting angry or anything, I get very depressed and, um, or I get paranoid and I get untrusting of people and things like that. Whereas I know people who have bipolar who, when they're angry, it's it's this secular anger that they can't get out of. Whereas mine's more like a secular just sadness and apologizing and fucking snot running down your fucking face and shit and just you know. What does punk mean to you? So punk has always meant to me, and it's a cliche, but you know, you know, kind of outcasty. You know, yeah, you could be a little weird. You can be, you know, but you can be accepted here. It's funny because I, I got into punk when I was really young and I got beat up by the Cowboys. But uh, now that I'm older, I, I pretty much only exclusively listen to country music. So. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's like uh, when I listen to listen to a good like Sturgill Simpson or something. And it's like it's the same kind of feeling. It's just like, man, everything's going to be all right. You know, and things get sad, but you'll tough through it kind of thing. And that's what punk was for me. A lot of the times, a lot of the people I'd listen to would talk about the same things that I'd eventually have to deal with. And I remember things like, Oh man, at least I'm not like that guy. And I was like, Oh fuck, I'm just exactly like that guy. But, uh, you know, I listened to those songs long enough, you know, I, I know I'm not the only fucking one. So I've been doing a lot of research for this screen therapy book. I've been interviewing a lot of mental health professionals. One of them is Kristen Belkover, a therapist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She runs a group online called Punk Rock Therapy and grew up in the punk rock scene. In this short clip, she gives her opinion on why punk rock community is therapy. I am Kristen Belkover and I work private practice as a psychotherapist. And a lot of the work I do, I'm kind of looking at something called ecological systems, which is just a fancy word to describe the different areas of thought and influence that we're a part of. So your microsystem is the family, like the, the people that you grow up around that you can reach out and touch, that they're around you. Maybe those are parents or close friends or family members. Well, a lot of folks in the punk community, as you know, didn't grow up in a super safe space that way. And so then finding something that was so visceral, like punk music or punk imagery, gave them that little bit of a glimpse, even in that system, that something can be different. Somebody can behave and think and feel in a very different way than what the cards dealt for me, either privilege-wise or what have you. So I kind of think about it there. And then I think about it from the community perspective, the wellness and the health that's inherently comes from a sense of belonging and a sense of connectedness. At our core, we need other humans, whether we like that or not, right? And we need other humans to be safe, resource sharing type of humans. 
for me and many of the other people that I know that have been involved in, in punk rock, that was like one of the first communities that they found not the same sense of competition that they found in other areas. There was more of a sense of caring for one another, of you know mutual aid. It was more of a sense of, I'm a part of this. And even in that early age, you know, being 13, 14, 15 years old, I have this sense, if I don't go and support this, it's gonna go away. There was like a responsibility that I felt to it, not in a bad way, in like a great way. That made me feel like I actually mattered. And then I think about it just on like a visceral body level. When people think about therapy, they think about talking. And that's often one of the first things that come to mind for people is, oh, you go to therapy, you go talk to somebody about your problems. Well, we have so much evidence and so much research and so much anecdotal evidence to say that therapy is much, much more than talking. And maybe talking is only a small part of that. It's so much the attunement you have with somebody, the relationship, the way you build tolerance to new feelings. I found that in punk music a lot, and I think a lot of other people do. Once again, I don't know if there's anything anybody could have said to me that would have made me feel as healed and moved as that first Against Me record. It was more of like the sound, the moment in time, what I was looking for intellectually. It all just got like wrapped up in that one moment punk music and when I think about that it has a lot of really meaningful moments like that for me creating music or just listening to music has that very embodied experience of being in a community of people listening to music all together everybody's singing or chanting or just being present in that space this invaluable experience that we just I don't think we can necessarily replicate in other ways thanks for listening to the latest episode of scream therapy I thought I'd tell you a little bit more about myself. I was born in Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada. After my mental breakdown in 2018, I had to take a break because everything seemed impossible. I needed to focus on my recovery. I did my best to take care of my mental health while dealing with the intense mood episodes of bipolar. I'm really glad that this podcast has been a big part of my recovery, and I thank you for listening. Screen Therapy is now airing on college and community radio stations. They include my hometown radio station, CGMP, out of Powell River, CJSF 90.1 FM from Simon Fraser University, Radio Humber from Humber College in Toronto, Ontario, Radio Waterloo, CKMS from Waterloo, Ontario, and Kootenai Co-op Radio in Nelson, BC. You can connect with me at soundcloud.com screamtherapy. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care and be well. Hey!